Welcome to the King's Chapel Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. Psalm 23, the 23rd Psalm. If you've been in church any length of time, you probably learned this psalm in children's church or Sunday school, which we used to have in in church called Sunday school. But from the New King James Version, the 23rd Psalm, then we're also going to look at Psalm 100, verse 3. In John chapter 10, verse 14. But join with me as I read from the New King James Version, the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now we could stop right there, and we could preach for an hour on that truth right there. The Lord is my shepherd, He is your shepherd. And because the Lord is our shepherd, we shall not want. I better keep reading. He makes me to lie down in green pastures, He leads me beside the still waters, He restores my soul. Oh, I am so thankful that He is restoring my soul. Amen. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Anybody got a running over cup tonight? Amen. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. And in Psalm 100, verse 3, Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who has made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. And then in the New Testament, John chapter 10, verse 14, This is Jesus speaking. He said, I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the truth of your word tonight. Thank you, Lord, for the life-changing power of the word of God. And we give you praise, Lord, in your name. Amen. You can be seated tonight. Uh, Again, for those of you who might be visiting, your guest with us tonight, my name is Minister Barry Haggerty, and my wife, Minister Jan, and I have the great privilege of serving on staff here. We've been a part of King's Wasilla for uh, going on almost 13 years now. Some of you are like, I don't remember you being here that long. Well, we were here, uh, and then we left. Uh, and but maintained great relationship and kept coming back. Uh, we were pastoring in Arizona, uh, and then uh, almost uh, pushed, going on over five years now, we came back, came back on staff, and uh, we, uh, we get to serve uh, here with Pastor Daniel and Pastor Karen and the rest of the amazing staff and be a part of Kings and all that God is doing. And I'm so honored and privileged to stand before you tonight and preach the Word and declare the truth of uh, the Word of God, the life-changing, uh, always enduring, never-failing uncompromised, true Word of God. Amen? Speaking of King School of Ministry, we are in, uh, we are in, man, we had a, we had a powerful day today with our first year students. Pastor Daniel came in uh, before he, before he had to leave and fly out, he came in and, and I told him, I said, you totally jacked up the whole schedule because, because during prayer this morning, he said, I got to, I got to impart something to the students. And I said, well, I try to build in about a 30 minute uh, buffer. Uh, Will that work? He said, 
can I have 40? I said, you can have whatever you want, Pastor, but let's do this. So he, he started us off, and we had a great word of impartation from him, and then other teachers ministered and shared, and then I closed it out um, today, and we had a great time. If you're interested in becoming a student in King School of Ministry, our, our spring semester starts in January, and uh, it, we're about to open up the application time period where you can apply. Uh, you can check out the application process on our website, uh, but if you'd like to become part of King School of Ministry, we're growing. Uh, we are 80-plus uh, strong students um, and, uh, and continuing to grow. So if you need more information about it, you can see me or check it out on the webpage. But uh, I get to preach the Word tonight, and I'm so thankful. Thank you, Pastor Daniel, Pastor Karen, for trusting me uh, with, uh, uh, with the privilege to stand behind this pulpit and preach and share what the Holy Spirit laid on my heart. Now, tonight I want to talk to you and I about sheep, as you might have gathered from the text that I read. There's a lot of animals in the animal world, and the Bible does refer a lot to us as humans as sheep. Why sheep? Why, why couldn't we be referred to as something a little more cooler than sheep, you know? I mean, there's a lot of other choices in the animal kingdom that the Word of God could describe us as humans as. Now, there are passages in Scripture that do talk about other types of animals. We're told in Isaiah chapter 10, verse 31, that if we wait on the Lord, He will renew our strength and we will mount up with wings like eagles. Hallelujah. Psalm 34, 10, and 10 through 12 talks and speaks about the young lions. Uh, Matthew 10, 16, Jesus said we're supposed to be wise as serpents and gentle as doves. Matthew 10, 29, it says that the Lord watches over the sparrows that fall. How much more does He watch over you and I? And if you look at Proverbs chapter 30, verses 24 through 28, there's a list of several different wise animals in the animal kingdom that we can learn things from. But all that said, we're still called sheep. Now, did you know that there are words that are used to describe a gathering of different animals? Maybe you knew some of this, maybe you don't. You might know some of these. For example, what do we call a lot of bees? A swarm. What's a group of ants called? A colony. What's a group of whales called? We, everybody in Alaska ought to know that, a pod. What's a group of fish called? School. Cattle, herds, birds, flocks, lions, pride. Bet you, I'd be surprised too many people knew this one. What's the gathering of crows called? Murder. Very good. All right. A murder of crows. That's what it, they're called. What's a, what's a gathering of tigers called? An ambush. Literally and figuratively, yes. If there's a gathering of tigers, look out. But they're called an ambush. What's a gathering of buzzards called? A committee. This, now, I laugh too, but this is legit. A gathering of buzzards is called a committee, which... Kind of makes sense when you think about how some committees operate because if they're not spirit-filled and ready for something brand new, then you got a committee of some pretty old and not-so-great-looking people sitting around just wanting to feast on dead things. There's no life in it. Oh, did I say that? Anyway, let's move on. How about a group of flamingos? A flamboyant. And my favorite is a group of rhinos. Do you know what a group of rhinos is called? A crash. 
a crash. Seems fitting. Rhinos can run. You may not have known this. I'm going to rabbit trail for just a second. Rhinos can run at about 30 miles an hour. That's fast, and it's pretty scary when you think about what's running at 30 miles an hour. But it gets even scarier when you learn that while they're running at 30 miles an hour, they can only see 30 feet in front of them. That means they don't care about what's at 31 feet because they can't see it. But what's at 31 feet? Better care about that crash that's coming its way. It's just a little fun for tonight. But the Bible does call us sheep. God refers to us as his sheep. And he's our shepherd. So I want to give you some interesting things tonight from the word of God and from the practical a world of being a shepherd. Now, I'm, I've, never, I've never had sheep. I've had goats come visit. What do you mean by that? Well, we, uh, a year ago, August, we bought five acres of land that needed to be cleared. And uh, we have so, several people in our church that have goats. But one particular person said, oh, I can loan you a couple of goats. They'll clear it. Well, seven showed up. Um, and as long as they were in the fenced-in area, I didn't have any problems because those goats did clear the property. Then I tried to let them kind of clear the area where there weren't any fences, and that was a challenge. But, but so I've, I've, I've dealt with goats before, but I've never really been involved with sheep. I've seen sheep, okay? I petted some at the petting zoo, but I've never really had a lot to do with them. So some of this is interesting stuff that we're going to see scriptural applications for for our life. Number one interesting thing about sheep is sheep need other sheep. Sheep are group animals. They're, I wanted to say they're flock animals, but that would mean they were bird, a group of birds. They're, they're, they're a herd. That's why they need a shepherd, okay? They're, they're group animals. They very seldom thrive or survive when they're alone. It is highly recommended that if you're going to invest in sheep, that you get at least two of them if you want to have them because otherwise they can become depressed. Did you know sheep can become depressed? That's what people that study these kind of things say. So I'm going to, they're the experts, so I'm going to, I'm going to go with it um, and probably will end up dying prematurely if they're alone because they need other sheep. When God calls us his sheep, he does it for a reason. We need each other, church. I'm looking around tonight and I'm looking at my family, the family of God that calls this church their home. I need you. You need me. We need each other. In fact, if, you, if you've ever studied and done any research on this, the, the predators that go after sheep, they look for any that are weak or slow or young, immature, and they try to separate them from the rest of the herd. Because if they can isolate them, then they're dead meat. So we, you and I need to be aware of things that would pull at us and try to isolate us from our brothers and sisters in the Lord. Because God says we're sheep and sheep need other sheep. We need each other. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another just as you are also doing. I got lots of scripture, so just try to catch the references if you, if you want to look it up later. 1 John 1.3, That which we have seen and heard we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. 1 John 1.7, But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. 
And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. 1 Peter 3, 8. Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers. Be tenderhearted. Be courteous. And 1 John 4, 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So point number one tonight on, uh, on how we're compared to sheep by God. Sheep need other sheep. We need each other. In fact, we're commanded by Scripture to love and care for one another. Point number two about sheep. Sheep are followers. Sheep have really no good sense of direction on their own. Just let one of them take the lead and the others will follow without question. They'll, they'll repeat the pattern of those sheep in front of them. Give you a couple of examples that I, uh, I haven't witnessed, but I looked it up. You can tie a rope across the entrance uh, of the, the pen that the sheep are in, maybe about 12 inches off, off the ground, and the first sheep that comes up and discovers it's there will jump over the rope and go on. And the next one will jump over. Cut the rope and it's not there, and the sheep continue that follow after the one in front of it, jumping over the rope that is no longer there because they have their followers. Okay? Um, uh, also, I, I heard this, I, I, re, I read this and looked it up and read it, that um, a large flock of sheep were grazing near a cliff. The lead sheep took off and jumped off the cliff, and he was followed by the rest. The first 400 sheep died in the fall, about a 90-foot drop. The remaining 1,100 sheep survived due to the fact that it was the soft, downy cushion of the bodies of the first 400 that they fell on. Yes. And when they investigated, they found that the group of shepherds and under-shepherds that were supposed to take care of them all decided to take off and go get breakfast at the same time. And that's what happened to the sheep. Because sheep are followers. Can I tell you, church, you and I as followers, we are followers of Jesus. And I am so thankful that he leads me, that he leads you. In fact, that's the title of my message, he leads me. Isaiah 58, 11 says this, the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in draught and strengthen your bones. You shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. John 16, 13 says, however, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. Psalm 38, excuse me, Psalm 32, 8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he'll do what? He will direct your paths. And Psalm 25, 4 and 5, show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. On you I will wait all the day. So number one, sheep are, are need other sheep. Number two, sheep are followers. Number three, sheep love to eat. I'm not implying anything. I'm talking about sheep. Now, if there's plenty of pasture, sheep are pretty low maintenance. If there's plenty of, of foliage, they'll eat pretty much any kind. And if there's plenty of it, you can trust that they're going to just hang out there. But if it starts getting scarce, they start wandering. And they start looking, and that's why they need a guide. Um, they want a continual supply of food. They're hungry all the time. Uh, something else that I found in research, how many of you know what um, a, a cattle guard is 
Okay, you put it in front of uh, your pasture, pasture, and it's, it's this metal grate that has slots in it, and the cattle know not to step in it because they do it one time and they get stuck and they can't walk anymore. Well, uh, a, group, a, she- a couple of shepherds in Australia found that because inside the pasture where the, the, the sheep were, it was getting scarce, a couple of the sheep discovered that if they laid down and rolled over the cattle guard, they could get up and keep going and find more food. Because they're hungry all the time. They're never satisfied. They eat and eat and eat. They want a continual supply. Now, one good thing is a sheep with a healthy appetite is a healthy sheep. They need to feed to survive. A Christian without a spiritual appetite will not survive. Jesus promises us in Matthew chapter 5. He said, blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. The Bible speaks of itself, of talking about the fact that that we can feed on his word. See, you and I, church, we need more than just a couple of helpings on Sunday and possibly one more on Wednesday evening. That's why the psalmist said in Psalm 91, he that dwelleth, or as King James says, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Can I tell you that dwelling or dwelleth, you, if you're going to dwelleth there, you're not just stopping by. You're not just checking in for a visit every once in a while. You are dwelling. He is your place of refuge and protection and provision and life itself. The Word of God declares and says that without Him we can do nothing. It says that in Him we live and move and have our being. That He supplies all our needs according to His riches and glory. That we can do all things through Him who gives us strength. How do we get strength? By feeding on the Word of God. By feeding on His presence. By being the sheep of his pasture that trust him that he's going to lead us beside still waters and he's going to take us to green pastures. See, the one thing about Psalms 23, you may have heard me say this before, but it says that he leadeth me beside still waters, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. And then it says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Sometimes we get it backwards. We don't, we don't, get, we don't rest and lie down in the green pastures and we don't rest by the still waters. We walk through the green pastures and through by the still waters and we go lie down in the valley of the shadow of death. And that's not what the, a good shepherd's going to lead his sheep to do. He's going to lead them right on through the valley of the shadow of death because what is a shadow? A shadow is a false image of what uh, might be there. If you've ever remember the, the, the cartoons, um, Tom and Jerry's one of them, I think. One of the ways that, that Jerry the mouse would always scare, could scare Tom the cat would be he would get a, a flashlight and he would make this, you know, claws and teeth and stuff, big shadow on the wall that looked real scary and it would freak Tom the cat out. But it's really only little Jerry the mouse, but it's the shadow. That's why it says though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil because we've got a great shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ, who said in John 10, 14, as I read, he's the good shepherd and we are his sheep. We need to do more than just get a couple of helpings, as I said, on Sunday and Wednesday, and Wednesday night. We need, to, we need to devour the Word of God every day. 1 Peter 2, 2, As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the Word that you may grow. Jeremiah three fifteen, And I will give you shepherds according to my heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. John six fifty one. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall, which I shall give for the life of the world. Devouring the word of God. 
Spending time in the Word of God. Making the Word of God become part of us. Not just something that we have maybe three or four hard copies and a whole bunch of digital copies on all our devices, but something that we, we, we know how to use. We're, I've got several Bibles. This is my latest. I've got a couple. I think um, Tiff, when he was here, Brother Tiff, when he was here, talked about, you know, if, if you passed on a godly heritage when you die, the kids aren't going to argue about the inheritance. They're going to want to argue about who, who gets your Bible. I've got one of those. It's, uh, it's, I've used it so much that uh, it's in actually in a, in a sealed thing in our uh, cedar chest because the cover won't stay on and the pages are falling out. And my two oldest children have already said, Dad, when you die, if you don't specify who's getting that Bible, we're going to fight over it because we want your Bible because it's the one that I received. Uh, got, it was signed and was handed to me when I received my ordination as a, a minister and a, and a pastor. And uh, it's been, uh, we, we held on to it. I actually have the Bible that my uh, real father used with some of his notes written in it. And you know what? John, I heard that, John. John says, I want that one. So, but it needs to be more than just, it needs to be more than just good, uh, good antiques. It needs to be our life. It is our life. It is our spiritual food. A prayer, we have to have prayer, but we need the Word of God too because God speaks to us through His Word. We communicate to Him through our prayer and talking back to Him in our worship. He speaks to us by His Spirit that causes the Word to come alive. All right. So here's a really interesting fact about sheep that you may not know. The blood of sheep is unique in protection. A sheep can get bit by a venomous snake and when it does, if, you, if you've ever witnessed this, a sheep doesn't get frantic. It doesn't run around screaming or, or fussing. It will simply sit down. Now, it may be bruised where it got bit. There may be swelling. And there may even be some blood. But it will sit still and wait. Why? Because there is something medically powerful in the blood of a sheep that works as an antibody against the venom of the serpent. In a little while, if it doesn't run around and act like an idiot and scream its head off and, and declare to everybody how bit it, got, it is, if it'll just chill in just a little while, the pain will subside, the swelling will go down, and it will recover fully. I'm here to declare loud and long tonight, there is power in the blood of Jesus and His royal blood flows through our veins because we have been adopted and grafted and bought by his blood hallelujah ephesians 7 ephesians 1 7 says in him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace hebrews 9 14 says how much more shall the blood of christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to god cleanse our conscience from dead works to serve the living god 1 John 1, 7 says, But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Revelation 1, 5, And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to Him who loved us and washed us from our sins in His own blood. I'm thankful to tell you tonight as one of His sheep that as His royal blood has cleansed me from my sin, I am no longer bit by the serpent. I am no longer affected by the venom of sin and the stain of sin because the Bible says in 1 John, 
John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to what? Forgive us our sins and then do something even more amazing than that, if you can think of it, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So just like in the natural, if that sheep gets bit, if it'll just chill just a minute, if it'll just relax in who it is and its identity, the blood that's flowing through its veins will do its job and there'll be no effect from that snake bite. And if you and I won't freak out when the enemy comes and rears up his ugly head and says, I'm going to bite you, I'm going to sting you, I'm going to hurt you, if we'll just relax and chill in who we are, it's kind of like Paul. All right, I'm going to digress from my my notes. I didn't give you any because I don't stay with my own. So I talked about this in uh, in. KSM this morning, in the book of Acts, Paul was uh, being taken by prisoner uh, by sh- uh, boat. And he was, they were sitting in the port, and, and Paul was telling them, we don't need to sail. And they're like, what are you talking about? The sun's shining, it's great weather, we're the sailors, we're the ones that know what we're doing, who are you? And he's like, I'm telling you, we don't need to leave this, the safety of this harbor, we need to stay right here. Well, they did anyway, and sure enough, what Paul told them happened. The storm came up, the winds came up, the waves, the boat was, was being pushed away from where it needed to go, and an angel came to Paul and said, listen, if you'll make sure nobody jumps off, if they all stay here on the boat, no matter what happens, everybody's going to live. And, and Paul told them, and then nobody jumped off. Nobody grabbed a life jacket or a lifeboat and abandoned ship. And it was, you can read it, it's Acts chapter 28. Um, and, and the boat was crashed against the rocks and, and it broke apart. And those that could swim swam to the island that was closest to them. Those that couldn't swim grabbed some wreckage and floated on in. And when they got there, the people on that island came out to greet them. And Paul was trying to be helpful. And he went to gather some sticks because they were making a fire. Because how many of you know, if you swim in the ocean or float in the ocean, you're wet. And when you get to dry land, the last thing you want to do is sit there and be wet. You'd like to get dry. So they were going to make a fire for him. And Paul went to gather sticks. And it says that as, as he was approaching the fire uh, with his sticks, that a snake, a viper came out and bit Paul on the hand. Now, Luke is pretty descriptive in the book of Acts about what he describes. And he didn't say Paul lost his mind and started yelling and screaming. It didn't say Paul started yelling for the medic or the doctor. Luke, get over here. Get the anti-venom. Get the, I've been bit. Look, Paul didn't do any of that. The Bible says that when it bit him, Paul looked at his hand, shook off the snake in the fire, and kept going, ministering to the people. What does that say to you and I? When the enemy tries to attach itself to us, when he tries to bite us because we're serving, because he'd love to do that. He'd love that when you're serving, when you're serving in the church, when you're serving people, when you're trying to help people, and you're in the midst of something that you didn't create, but it happened to you anyway, and you think, well, I'm going to do the best thing I can. I'm going to serve in the middle of this really bad situation. The devil's going to kind of kind of come and try and tell you and I that we're serving for the wrong motives. Other people are going to start talking because that's what happened when Paul got bit. The people said, oh, uh, God, he, he didn't die in the shipwreck, so God's going to get him now. So he must be a murderer. He must be somebody bad because he came through the shipwreck and survived, but God's not... The gods are going to kill him right now. So people started talking about him. Paul didn't listen to any of that. He didn't let the snake bite affect him. He shook it off in the fire, and he kept right on working. And that's what you and I need to do because we have the blood of the great shepherd that has cleansed us from our sins and all unrighteousness. Hallelujah. You're learning stuff tonight, aren't you? All right. Here's another thought about sheep. Sheep need to stay upright. Sheep need to stay upright. How many of you are, have heard the term cast down? 
Did you know that cast down originated as an old English term for a sheep that was on its back and could not get back up on its own? That's where that word came from. Psalm 42, 5 says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Verse 6, O my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan and from the heights of Hermon, from the hill Mizar. And verse 11, why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. Who wrote most of the Psalms? What was David's occupation before he became king? Shepherd. I think David was a little bit familiar with the sheep that was on its back and couldn't get up on its own. Pretty pitiful. Pretty pitiful looking. Pretty pathetic, if you think about it. And so David was experiencing some cast downwardness of his soul. And he got to look at it himself. I look at it like this. I, 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 I view Scripture rightly and according to what the Holy Spirit has instructed us from Scripture, but I put a slant on it that doesn't take anything away from it. But I look at it like this. David is having a rough day, and his soul is downcast. He's like, you pathetic. He's looking at himself in the mirror, and he's going, you pathetic. You look pitiful. What is wrong with you? And he begins to encourage himself in the Lord. He begins to talk to himself. Why are you downcast? Why are you laying on your back with your legs and your feet and your hands sticking up in the air, looking pitiful and pathetic and can't get up? Get up. Hope in God because he is your salvation. I will continually praise him. And the more he did that, the more he got the ability to bounce up out of that downcast attitude. Amen. Thank you. I can see the parallel tonight between us as God's people and sheep, both the good and the bad. The Bible says that a man thinks in his thinks of the way. Hang on, let me say it right. Not as as there there is a way that seems right unto man. That's what I'm trying to say. But that way, that end leads to death and destruction. Left to ourselves, because we have no real sense of direction without the Lord. We're going to wander. We're going to follow. We're going we're gonna to find, oh, they look like they know what they're doing. Let me go do that. And then you end up in a place you never thought you'd be doing things you never thought you'd do, becoming a person you never, ever thought you would be. Well, that's what happens to sheep in the natural without a shepherd. That's what happens to you and I in the spiritual realm without a shepherd. Amen? All right. As I wrap up tonight, I want to focus on that last point about Sheep need to stay upright. Because I believe there are three reasons a sheep may become downcast. Number one, too much comfort seeking. A sheep will try to find a place in the field, in the pasture, that has a slight indentation that it can just really get comfortable in. Okay? It will move around lying on one side and then the other to try to get as comfortable as possible. It may even roll a little too far and end up on its back where it can't get up again. Amos chapter 6 verse 1 says this, Woe to you who are at ease in Zion. You and I got to be careful of the soft spots, church. We got to be careful of those spots that have become, that, that you know, it's like a, the couch that needs to be replaced because 
because you sit down in it and you've sat in that same spot. We had a cat that we, we have several, we have two cats and two dogs. We only have one cat now. We had one that was, how old was he? 17, 17 year old cat. Finally said, see ya. He got all the kids raised, literally. He got all the kids raised. Uh, John was the last one and John turned 18. So Mr. Darcy said, okay, I'm done. But he would literally sit on our couch in the same spot uh, at the same, on the back of it. And literally it was, there was an indentation and he would almost get lost in it. And it was becoming more and more difficult for him to get himself out of it the older he got. The same thing's true for you and I, church. We get comfortable in our ways. We get comfortable in our tradition. We get comfortable in it's always been done that way. That's, that's, that's for a leader, somebody on fire, somebody who's not a committee of buzzards that is wanting to see things done. That's the worst thing they want to hear from anybody they're trying to lead. Well, we've never done it that way before. We've always done it this way. Because the Bible says that God, he says, behold, I am doing a new thing. Can you not see it? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But he wants to renew. His mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. He is taking us from glory to glory, from faith to faith. So we got to be careful of the soft spots, church. Because the soft spot's getting a little too much comfort. I mean, listen, God knows that we all need rest from time to time. But don't get too cozy. There's a danger in too much leisure and relaxation. It can take you a place of becoming downcast spiritually. Remember, the enemy's not resting. He's prowling around seeking weak and defenseless prey that he can separate from the flock and pick off. Second thing that I believe is the reason why sheep get downcast is the weight of burden. The wool of a sheep grows continuously. Did you know that? It grows continuously. If it is not sheared regularly, the weight of the wool becomes heavy and a major burden to that sheep. The long wool can become matted with dirt, mud, sticker bushes, and rocks. And all of that wears the sheep down and it begins to look for more and more places and opportunities to lie down and quit because of the burden that it's carrying and having to endure. With this extra weight and volume, it can become... It can easily become unbalanced and end up falling over and downcast. For the sake of our message tonight, the wool represents our nature, our sinful nature. Left alone, it will continue to grow and grow and grow and become a real problem for you and I. When we yield to the good shepherd and he removes that old nature, that wool, he shears us, we are all the more better for it. The wool also can represent the burdens of life that we accumulate and they weigh us down more and more. That's why Jesus said, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for my burden is easy and my yoke is light. Jesus wants to not only take our sin, which he did by taking it upon himself and being nailed to the cross and being sacrificed in our place so we could be forgiven, but he wants to take all the cares all the burdens, all the mental anguish, all the, all the depression and the stress and the stuff that life throws at us that can so easily weigh us down. That's why Paul said, set aside those things that so easily beset us, those weights that so easily beset us so that we can run because otherwise we can get downcast. And number three, overindulgence. A sheep will eat so much that it feels like it cannot keep going. 
It may even get bloated and it will look for a place to lie down. And while, without being careful, because of its overindulgence, it can become downcast and can't get back up. Prosperity is, is a two-edged sword. It can alleviate many of the concerns of life, but the danger is that we become so prosperous in what God has blessed us with the ability to do that we lose our dependency on Him. The Bible says, I have given, with it, given you the power to create wealth. It's in our hands. The Bible says that every good thing comes, from, comes down from the Father of lights. The Bible tells us that God wants to bless His people, and He does. But we should never get to the point of overindulgence, even on the blessings of God, that we quit becoming dependent upon Him. The reason God had to take Israel after being in slavery for 400 years in Egypt, out of Egypt and get them uh, to the promised land, but the reason he had to take them through the wilderness is because they were living in the land of not enough as slaves. He had to take them through the land of just enough, which was the wilderness where he fed them daily and he provided for them daily and they couldn't store it up. They couldn't get out their Tupperware and go gather manna and put it in their Tupperware to have for tomorrow because when they opened their Tupperware, it was spoiled. So it was just enough because he was preparing them to realize that when they got to the land of more than enough, it was not because of their own efforts. It was not because of anything they did. It was because of everything that he did. And we can become downcast spiritually when we overindulge ourselves in the blessings and the things that we can accumulate ourselves and the blessings. It's like, well, I want more blessings. So do I. But I don't ever want to forget where the blessings came from. The more we have, unfortunately, as human beings, the more we indulge. And the more we indulge, the more in danger we are of becoming downcast spiritually. A sheep that is downcast has, they say, no more than 24 hours to be rescued before it's fatal. The shepherd must find the sheep and lift it up and place it in an upright position. And it may take a few minutes, but the blood will start to flow back into the legs and it can return to regular activity. That reminds me of the parable, the story in Luke chapter 15, verse 4. And I'm about to close. Minister Micah, would you come to the keyboard? Jesus told the story of the shepherd who had 100 sheep and when he gets back from having them out in the fields, he counts and there's only 99 and he realizes he's missing one. And he says, a good shepherd will leave the 99 with those he can trust and he'll go out and, and get down in the dirt and climb down the hillsides and get in the sticker bushes and go wherever it needs to go to find the one sheep that may have become downcast for whatever reason. And when he finds the sheep, and Jesus said, the shepherd will put the sheep on his shoulders and carry it back and call his neighbors and call his friends and say, rejoice with me because the one sheep that it was lost has been found and I brought him back home. And Jesus said, there's more rejoicing in heaven by the angels over one sinner who repents. Paul admonishes the church in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8 and 9. We are hard-pressed on every side, Paul said, yet we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but we are not in despair. We may be persecuted, but we are not forsaken, church. We may be struck down, but we are not destroyed. Why? Because of the good shepherd 
who loves and cares for us. The chief shepherd assures us that he has not forsaken his own. Even when we become downcast, he promises that we will not be destroyed if we'll turn our gaze back to him, if we'll cry out to help, for, cry out to him for help and let him come and rescue us and restore our soul. Lead us back into the by the still waters and the green pastures and protect us with his rod and his staff and watch over us. Then and once again, surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives. Our shepherd church is always on duty. You know, it's interesting that God doesn't liken us to cattle. Because you can turn, if you've got a, as long as the area is fenced or some kind of boundary, you can turn the, the cattle loose in the morning and they'll go graze and do whatever. But you ring the dinner bell, you bang the dinner bucket, you make some kind of noise and here they come. We don't necessarily have cow herds. We have shepherds. And we're shepherds. And he, we're sheep and he's our great shepherd. I started with Psalm 23. I want to close tonight with Psalm 23. Give an opportunity for you to let the Lord minister to you. Hopefully you got something from this message. Hopefully you're walking away tonight not only with some natural knowledge about sheep, but you understand the parallel and why we are in need of a great shepherd why he's made himself available but I want to remind you and I'm reading from the amplified version this time which is really not that different it's got a few words but not that different the Lord is my shepherd to feed to guide and to shield me I shall not want he lets me lie down in green pastures he leads me beside the still and quiet waters he refreshes and restores my soul and my life he leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake even though I walk through the sunless valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod to protect and your staff to guide, they comfort and console me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed and refreshed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy and unfailing love shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell forever throughout all of my days in the house and in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.